We're going to continue our study on God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Tonight, we're going to look at extraordinary uh, perseverance, extraordinary perseverance. And so uh, as we take a look tonight, where's Brother Kenny at? Brother Kenny out there? Brother Kenny, we're doing snack Sunday night after church. I think it would help the teens if we do smack and snack. Sunday morning after church and Sunday night after church. So let's let's do that. So so they're gonna they're gonna work it out with the teens because some people can't be here uh, Sunday nights and they'll be here Sunday morning and that'll help the teens out. Some people will just enjoy Sunday morning eating and Sunday night eating. All right. And so let's plan that. Let's do smack and snack, all right? And then we'll have some kind of an anxiety attack after we eat all that stuff, all right? So <clears throat> we'll plan it out, have some stuff on Sunday morning, be a blessing to our teenagers, and hopefully that'll help you out. And uh, so t take your Bibles tonight, and let's take a look here at this uh, portion of Scripture. And as we think about it, I was thinking about this matter of perseverance. Uh, there's an old uh, proverb that says this, if at first you don't succeed, what's the rest of it? Try, try again. Anybody ever uh, tried something and it didn't work out the first time and you had to give it another try, give it another try, give it another try? And it's, uh, sometimes that's the way it works. I read a, a real story about someone, if I'm pronouncing her name right, uh, is uh, Cha Sa-soon, and she lived in South Korea. And all her life, this woman dreamed of something that we kind of take for granted. She dreamed of having her driver's license. Uh, all of her life, she wanted to get a driver's license, and <clears throat> she raised her children, spent her time uh, taking care of all their needs, and she raised her children, and after her children were raised, she determined that she was going to, and she did, she boarded a bus, she went into town to take her driver's test, the exam, and she, she went in there to take the paper portion of it, and she failed the 40-question multiple-choice exam. She failed it. She thought she had prepared, but she kept trying, and over and over again, she took this exam for three years, five days a week. Now, I don't really know the, the history behind her, or if there was some kind of IQ problem. I don't really know, but... For three years, she kept going back, and on her 950th attempt, she finally passed the written and was cleared to take the driving part of her test. I mean, 950 tries. And so she, she goes to take her driving part of her test, and she failed that four times before she passed the driving part of her test, and when they asked the driver's instructors that worked there at the DMV or whatever they call it there, when they asked her why they never suggested to this woman, why in the world don't you just give it up? Why do you keep coming back? Why do you keep trying? Here's, when, they, when they suggested to her, they said, they said uh, we didn't have the guts to tell her to quit because she just kept showing up. They didn't have it in them to tell. And when she received her driver's license, she was 69 years of age. Uh, when you think about that, to me, that is perseverance. I mean, that is somebody that at first you don't succeed, 
she tried and tried and 950 times she tried again and she finally passed her driver's exam when i think about someone like that i think about the character study that we're going to look at tonight in the book of judges there's a person there that a lot of times we don't hear a lot of preaching about this individual but just like that woman there in south korea this man just kept showing up i mean the, the reality is, as we look tonight at this study of this individual, that he showed up in the face of opposition from those who really wanted to stop him at all costs. That happens sometimes in our lives where individuals oppose us. Listen, if nothing else, we know this, that the devil is walking about seeking whom he may devour. The devil wants to stop us in our tracks and many times we find that, and as a result, we need to do as this individual did, we need to just keep showing up. We need to continue to persevere, and what this man lacked in resources, listen, he made it up in resourcefulness. The odds were against him, but he refused to quit. This individual that I'm talking about tonight, we know by the name of Gideon, Gideon. We don't hear a lot of things preached and taught on Gideon, but the, the truth is, as you look in the Bible, Gideon was an example of perseverance. He was an example of being persistent in our lives, and it was this quality, this perseverance, the wanting to persist in his life, is that that took him from being an ordinary person to an extraordinary person. Look what the Bible says in Judges chapter 8, verse number 4. The Bible records Gideon came to Jordan and he passed over and notice he and the 300 men that were with him and notice this phrase that years ago kind of got my attention. The Bible describes them as faint. What's those next two words? Yet pursuing. I mean, listen, sometimes that's the way we are in life. You know, it's been a long week. It's been a long day. I just don't know if I can make it. Thinking about throwing in the towel. Faint, yet pursuing. That was Gideon. His life, as you think about it, and that's why I love studying these individuals in the Bible, this man, his life didn't begin as extraordinary. As a matter of fact, you find that this man would not have been picked in his high school reunion as the one most likely to succeed. That would not have been Gideon. You wouldn't have picked him for that. He was a man that, honestly, when you, when you see the word of God pick up in his life in Judges chapter number six, he had just given up and he was responding to a lot of pressure in his life. And the way he was responding was not with courage, it was with fear. Look what it says in Judges 6, 11. There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Orpah, that pertained unto Joash, the Abizrite, and his son, Gideon, threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now, in order to understand our Bible study tonight, you have to understand a little bit about these people known as the Midianites. They were a people, like many of their day, they were enemies of God's people, and the Midianites were a people that invaded certain lands, people's lands. They would plunder, they would, they would wait for people to grow their crops, and then they would swoop in 
and they would take all of the spoils, they would take all the fruit or whatever it was uh, in those fields or in those lands, and they would take it, many times they would do this during harvest time. Can you imagine what it would have been like to uh, grow a crop, whether it's corn or wheat or whatever it may be, and you're, you're, you have your eyes and your heart set on, on the fruit of that crop, how that, that's going to sustain your family, and that's going to feed your family, and that's going to provide to where you can, you can trade and barter some of that so that you can keep your family going during very difficult times, only to have somebody like the Midianites come right on in and take everything that you have been hoping for. And that was, that was Gideon, as well as many others. Gideon was like, like those around him. He was a poor farmer. Gideon was well aware of, of the threats of the Midianites, how that they would do this or they could do this, and they had done it to many of those around Gideon and his family. I mean, they were a people that, like if you've ever known, maybe some of you grew up around a farm or on a farm, people work hard on farms. Now, they toil and sweat and and Gideon was one of those people that worked hard for what he had only to have it stolen by these people known as the Midianites. So when you think about this scenario in Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8, how did Gideon respond when the threat came about the Midianites? Well, here's what you find is that instead of fighting, instead of standing his ground, where you find Gideon is he's hiding. That's what we just read it. Gideon was hiding from the Midianites. The fear that was there in his life. I mean, a lot of us can understand uh, when it comes to this matter of threshing wheat, that what they would do is it was a time where they would separate the kernels of the wheat from the husk, and many times it was done in a fashion that was done out in the open air. They would do it, they would kind of throw it up, it would come and settle, it would separate. But that, the Bible records that Gideon was by the wine press. A wine press was a low place that was used where they would collect the juice from the grapes that had been squeezed. And Gideon was trying his best, he was trying to hide the, the harvest from the Midianites. And he was trying to do it in such a place around the wine press to where maybe the, the Midianites would not be aware of what he was doing and they wouldn't take that which belonged to him and his family. And he was doing it because of fear. He was frustrated. He was discouraged. He only kept going by just a little faint hope that maybe somehow by moving his operation to the, by the wine press that it would allow him to keep maybe a small portion of it for him and for those that he loved. And this is kind of where we pick it up. Gideon was not a man living a victorious Christian life. Matter of fact, he was struggling. He was not being extraordinary. And it's easy when you see this scenario play out this way, that the Bible warns us that we need to be careful about judging a person just by one little snapshot or in this instance, what is going on in Gideon's life. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us honestly that we should not judge others lest you be judged. But I want you to see what the Bible says when you think about this, because I think in all fairness, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5, therefore judge nothing before the time. See, I think God had a purpose and a plan for Gideon's life. 
The Bible says, don't judge something before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. In other words, the story hadn't been written yet. The whole thing had not played out yet. It would be wrong of us at this juncture in the scriptures to draw a conclusion about this man by the name of Gideon. When I think about this, I mean, this was a man that was crippled by fear. That's what we would see. But I think God saw differently. Aren't you glad that when God looks at us, God sees us differently than others do? I mean, you're looking at a, at a Christian, at a pastor, that if you knew some of the people that I knew when I was younger, and you told them today that I'm your pastor, they would laugh you out of the place. They would say, boy, if you knew him back then, you know, I, I, listen, honestly, sometimes I have to pinch myself about how God has been working my life. And I think if a lot of us were honest, we'd all say the same thing. You know, isn't it awesome, the grace of God, that we are where we are today? I think all of us have a story. And certainly Gideon, Gideon could tell us, you know, and, and listen, everything was justifiable the way the Midianites were in his day. But God saw Gideon different. See, while Gideon was hiding and threshing wheat, the Bible records that an angel of the Lord appeared unto him, and the angel of the Lord kind of had a a message that was confusing, but the message also was a special message. Notice in chapter 6 and verse number 12, here's the message to Gideon. The Lord is with thee. Thou mighty man of valor. He's hiding by the wine press. He's scared to death. Listen, if they didn't know where he was at, they would hear his knees knocking while he's hiding by the wine press. And the angel of God says, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon probably thought to himself, Is this a joke? I mean, seriously? Doesn't God see what I'm doing? But can I tell you tonight that God knew exactly what Gideon was capable of. I've told this story before. I don't know why it's just stayed fresh on my mind over the years, maybe because of who I am. But I'll never forget the testimony that I heard when Dr. Hiles said that he responded in a church service when he was a little boy and he said that uh, he, was, he was just kind of an awkward little boy. He said he had a th- thick plastic glasses. and He said he sat in the back of church and he was just very awkward. He said he responded because God was dealing with him during the message one day. And he walked the aisle and he came to the front and his pastor stepped down off the platform and met him down front. And he said, they called him Jackie Boy. And he said, Jackie Boy, why'd you come this morning? And he looked at his pastor and he says, because God, God wants me to preach. And his own pastor said, ah, Jackie boy, go sit back down. I've often wondered what that pastor thought when Jack Hiles was pastoring a church that was averaging over 20,000 in Sunday school. You know, again, God sees things differently than we see things. 
And I see this situation here where undoubtedly God knew what Gideon was capable of. Gideon was being directed by God. And as this whole story begins to unfold, he was being directed to lead an undersized, an ill-prepared, and an outmatched band of would-be soldiers. These weren't mighty men of valor. They were would-be soldiers to win their independence from these people known as the Midianites. In other words, the odds were overwhelming. The deck was stacked against them. I mean, there was not much hope that they would win and be victorious, but again, God's power and God's strategy made the impossible possible. See, with God, all things are possible. Oftentimes we see, well, I just don't know how that's going to happen, but Jesus said unto them, with men this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So tonight I just want to encourage you three quick ways as we think about this story in the life of Gideon, this example, three important things about this matter of extraordinary perseverance. Look at the first one tonight, is that perseverance means that we need to persist. If I just put it simply this way, and listen, I hope you get the statement, that if there is no perseverance, or excuse me, let me say it this way, there is no perseverance without a fight to persevere against, okay? There has to be, remember what I said it this morning, Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. He persisted. He stayed at it. See, difficulty comes, opposition comes, even failures sometimes come. But listen, there are just opportunities where perseverance can be displayed. Listen, God puts us in those situations where he gives us an opportunity to persevere. If we persist, failure can be a part of learning. Failure can be a part of growing, and that will lead us to success in our lives as Christians. One great example of this, you know the name Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, what a classic, true example. He was less than successful trying to invent the light bulb. I mean, one of his failed attempts, he was heard to say, I have not failed. He said, I have just found 10,000 ways that don't work. He stayed after it. He was persistent. He persevered. David suffered his share. I mean, we know a lot about the life of David. David suffered many setbacks. We talked about one of those this morning, many failures. But listen to the testimony in Psalm 119. It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. Did you get a hold of that verse? God says, look, David, I'm just trying to work in your life. I'm trying, you can learn from your... Do you ever notice, some of you probably need to think back a little farther than others of us, but I always found in school that when, not if, when I got something wrong on a test, that I always, I never forgot the mistakes that I made. I would forget other things that I got correct on it, but I never forgot those mistakes. 
I learn from them. I glean from those. And listen, in our lives, it is good for us that maybe God would afflict us, that we might learn things from God. Gideon would never have been chosen uh, in this matter of, of the affliction of the Midianites. In time, Gideon would see that the resistance that he would face would be used so that Gideon and those around him would learn and grow into the courageous leader that God already knew that he was. <laughs> my pastor, I was building our house, and my pastor was just, he really was a simple man. And I got a chance to see him whenever I went back for my father's funeral. And he came through the line, and we hugged. It had been a while since I'd seen him. I got, I got a chance to stop and see his wife. My pastor is uh, probably... 79 maybe 80 years of age right now and uh i went by to see both him and his wife and he wasn't there <clears throat> and i said to his wife i said where's preacher she said to me oh he's over at tina's house that's his daughter's i said what's he doing visiting and she says well no he's not visiting with tina i said what's he doing she said, looked at me and she got this funny look on her face that oftentimes i seen on her face when she was talking about her husband. She said, he's over at Tina's house pouring concrete. I said, that's my preacher. 79 years of age and he's over at his daughter's house pouring concrete. Amazing man. And <clears throat> I was building my house. He was probably maybe in his 50s, mid 50s. He stopped by one day. Normally I was out. On, on visitation, soul winning on Saturdays, but God gave me an opportunity to build a house for my wife, and we were working on the house, we were trying to get it done, and we were putting the subfloor down on the house, my pastor pulled up in his Buick Park Avenue. He got out of his car, and he walked across, I had a, a plank, a two by ten that uh, went across because the, the, uh, the, the foundation hadn't been backfilled yet, we have something in the Midwest called basements. It's below the house. Some of you don't know, you, you think the only thing below your house is hell, all right? But <laughs> And so my pastor pulled up, he walked across that board, and he walked up onto the subfloor, and he stood there. We were in the, I was standing in the room that would eventually become our master bedroom, and he put his hands on his hips, and he kind of looked around like this, and he said, this is, this is going to be a, an unbelievable house. He says, too bad you're not going to be able to stay and enjoy it. And then as quick as he said it, he walked across that plank, got in his Buick Park Avenue and drove away. And I'm thinking, what? Does he know something? And so I couldn't wait till I got a hold of him. And I said, listen, I want to, I want to ask you about that. He says, about what? And then he just walked away from me. About two years later, I went to him and I said, hey, preacher, I want to tell you something. I said, God called me to preach last night. And he looked at me and he goes, hmm. I said, what do you mean, hmm? And he goes, remember that day at your house? I said, yeah. He said, I already knew it. I said, why didn't you tell me? He goes, because it wasn't my job to tell you. And I thought to myself, wonder what else he knows. <laughs> But folks, can I tell you tonight, listen, God 
God knows what you and I are capable of even when we don't. God knew that Gideon was capable. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 8 and verse 4, Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Shall they fall and not arise? Shall he turn away and not return? I mean, this still applies to us today. As somebody said, a success is not someone who has never fallen. A success is someone who gets up more than they fall. Who gets up more than they fall. See, it's impossible to persevere if there is nothing opposing you. There has to be that opposition if we are going to persevere. And listen, if there's no failure, oftentimes, to discourage us, the word persevere, it simply means the ability to continue despite the difficulties, the failures, or the opposition. You will fail. There's no doubt about it. And there might be times in your life where you will fall. But can I tell you tonight that if that happens or when that happens, do what Gideon did, and that is get up in faith. You see, we've got to understand that God wants us to persist in our lives. And so perseverance means to persist. But secondly, perseverance can lead to progress. I mean, you see early in his life, he was gripped by fear because of the Midians. He was hiding by the wine press. He wasn't out in the open. He was afraid that they were going to come and take it. And listen, when you and I, when it is spurred on by growth and by knowledge, this matter of progress happens to those of us who are in Christ. God wants to do a work in our lives. The world identifies people by what they do. In other words, if you lose, you are a loser, right? That's the way the world identifies people. How about this? If you experience success, you are successful, right? So the world identifies people by what they do. When we understand who God is, that's when we find our true identity. There's a wonderful thing today. I was in my office after church while some of you were eating lunch and taking your Baptist nap. And there was a couple that I invited to the services, and they came this morning. And I told them, I said, if you come to church, I said, I'll meet with you afterwards. They wanted to talk to me about some stuff. And I said, well, listen, you come to church? I said, we'll meet. And so they said, sure, we'll be there. So they showed up this morning and they sat in the service. And I looked over there a couple of times and he was, he was, you know, he had this okay look on his face. And she was sitting there and the whole service, she was going. And I thought, she's up to something. Nobody sits there and smiles like that through the whole service. So the service got over with, and they were, in the, they were out there in the lobby, and we talked out there, and I said, why don't you come into my office? <laughs> and we sat there, and I started to talk to them. And they had a reason that they wanted to come see me. They want to get married. And I told them, I said, if you come to church, I said, I'll talk to you. But do you know, just between you and me and the cockroaches in the church building tonight that I didn't really want to meet with them about them getting married. I really wanted to meet with them to find out if they knew Christ as their Savior. 
Don't tell them I said that. So I sat in there and I started to talk to them and she made a few comments and so I started to talk to her and she began to tell me how she had grown up and her situation had changed because of she ended up living with this family and this family that she spent time with, they were Jewish and <laughs> when she was 13 years old of age, she put her faith and trust in the Lord Jesus and she had a clear testimony that she was saved which probably was the reason why she was sitting in the service smiling. So I looked at him and I asked him three times. I said, do you know Christ as your savior? And he couldn't give me a clear answer. <coughs> so I asked him, I said, <coughs> do, you, do you believe that you're a sinner? <coughs> and I've had these conversations before. He said to me three times, he says, well, I don't think I've ever done anything wrong. And I said, so you've never sinned? And we talked for a while. And when I started to talk to him about Jesus and God, he found his true identity. He said, you know, I never realized that. And I asked him, I said, would you like to ask the Lord to be your savior? And he said, yes, I would. Right there in my office this afternoon, he bowed his head and prayed and asked Jesus to be his savior. I looked at him and I said, do you know that I really didn't want to meet with you about getting married? He kind of looked at me and I said, I really only wanted to meet with you so that I could talk to you about Jesus. And he smiled and he goes, that's okay. I said, do you still love me? You still want me to marry you? And he goes, yeah. I said, okay. So I talked to him about baptism. And they said, okay. I'm just in my office persevering. She said to me, she goes, nobody's ever really explained baptism like you did this morning. I said, isn't that a shame that people don't open the Bible? You know, more and more I'm having people tell me, had a man call me today, did you catch the comment that I made when I was talking about the family camp, some of you probably didn't catch it because you were in rejection status. <laughs> but I made this comment, I said, <clears throat> I said, we have a, we, if I remember the exact way I said it, I said, we have, we have a guest preacher and his wife coming for the family camp. Do you remember me saying that? Yeah. And this man sat right here during the service this morning, two men sat right there, and the man that was on, on my left, your right, he, he called me about five o'clock. He said, Pastor, do you have a minute that I can talk to you? I said, sure. Never met the man. Didn't even know him. His name's Mike. <clears throat> and I said, yes, sir. I said, what can I help you with? He said, listen, I just, I, I was calling to get a little clarification. He said, you, you were talking about this pastor and his wife. And he said, uh, he said, I was just kind of curious. He said, so th the speaker that you're going to have come, he said, so is he and his wife the pastor of his church? And, and so then I knew where he was going. And I said, I said you know, the, <clears throat> the Bible is clear in the qualification of a pastor in 1 Timothy chapter number 3 that he is to be the husband of one wife. I said, I, I realize, and by the way, I didn't know where he was at on the issue. I said, I realize that the world today has continued to change the, God's divine structure in the home. But I said, when you find the scriptures and you search the scriptures, here's what you find is 
that the pastor is to be the husband, that's a man, of one wife. I said, now there's a lot of churches today that have husband and wife pastor. You don't find that in the scripture. And he goes, that's all I wanted to hear because you said you are a biblically based church and that's the kind of church that I'm looking for. And I said, is that all you needed? And he goes, absolutely. And I said, okay. You know, there's a young man sitting right over here this morning. He's been coming for quite some time. He said to me at breakfast a couple months ago, he said, I went to nine churches before I came to your church. Somebody yesterday said to me, I went to five churches before I came to your church. This lady that I talked to in my office this morning, she said to me, she says, Pastor, she said, I've been looking for a, a pastor who will stand and preach the word of God the way you preached it this morning. And I said, where do you all live? And she said, Sunrise. And I said, so let me ask you, are you going to keep coming from Sunrise to our church? And she goes, absolutely. Folks, can I tell you, it's not popular with everyone, but you know what the world needs? Truth. And you know what we need to be? We need to be persistent with it. Because watch this, the progress that we will see is not our progress. We will see God doing a work that we cannot manufacture. You listen, when we see, this morning wasn't even open house. And I don't know if you looked around, there wasn't many empty chairs in this auditorium. By the way, that's a good problem to have. Because I can take you to a lot of churches in America today where you don't have a problem finding a chair in their churches because there are plenty of empty chairs in their churches. See, folks, we've got to see that this matter of growth, that, that God wants us to find our identity, and our identity is in the Lord. In the word of God, God was the one who called Gideon a mighty man of valor because it is God who is the one that called him to be what he would be. Gideon began to grow and he saw himself, here's the key, he began to see himself for who God saw him to be. Now look, honestly, over time, you and I need to be the same way. We need to be in the will of God. We need to see God producing results through our lives. God's word over and over again reminds us of our identity in him. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at these words. See if you pick up on them. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his goodwill, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us, in all wisdom and prudence. Now, did you see the words that I saw when we're thinking about our identity in him? Notice again that when we understand, as Paul wrote to those in Ephesus, that we are blessed, that we are chosen, that we have been adopted, that we are accepted in the beloved, that we are redeemed, that we have been forgiven Listen, when we understand all that, it helps us to persevere because we are in Christ. 
See, it's so important that we see that everything that we need in our lives to persevere is found in understanding who we are in Christ. When I thought this morning, and honestly, there were people who made comments, and I literally just spent some time and, and brought in a few things that God put on my heart about baptism. I had no idea that people would make the comments that they did. But listen, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 that we who have been baptized, matter of fact, let's go there. Hold your place here. Go over to Romans chapter number 6. I don't want to misquote it tonight, but I want you to see these verses that I shared with this wonderful couple this afternoon. And I want you to see this as we think about our identity in Christ. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 3. The Bible says, know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized, notice these words, into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Again, the Bible says that we have been baptized into Jesus Christ. Folks, listen, our identity, we will persevere, and perseverance can lead to progress, which notice as we think about it, thirdly, that perseverance, it requires that as we think about it, we must have God's perspective on it. In other words, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm not looking in my life to persevere as an individual. I want the work of God to go forward. I want God to get the glory in our lives and through our ministry. Listen, for Gideon, the battle in his life around him, the, the Midianites, it had been raging for a while. And Gideon was he was working hard. He was fighting hard. He was in the middle of pursuing the enemy, those Midianites, and it was rough terrain. And the Bible says that he was faint. Again, I, that happens in life. But the word faint there doesn't mean that Gideon needed some little water break. The word actually means that he was exhausted, that his strength was coming to a close. Anybody else feel like that right now? You know, Brother Adam walks in sometimes, you know, like this. I know the feeling, brother. You know, boy, Sunday nights after church is over with, you know, I'm just, a lot of times I'm just like a zombie. You know, some Sundays, Sundays are just unbelievable uh, all the time and the energy. And that's exactly the way Gideon was. But listen, even though he was exhausted and his strength was close to failing, Gideon knew that the time to rest would come, but that time to rest will come later. See, we've got to understand how important it is to stay in the battle. Instead of quitting or slowing his pace, what did Gideon do? He was faint, yet pursuing. See, he pressed on. He crossed the Jordan River. He went even further. I mean, how was this possible? This man that was about to faint. Let me give you a couple things that hopefully will help you this week. Hopefully, it'll help you in your Christian life because we do get faint and we do think about quitting. But I want you to see how in the world 
that Gideon, who was faint, was able to press on. Notice three things that he kept in mind. First thing was he considered past results. He thought about the past. And you know, here's what he thought to himself. You know, God hasn't failed me one time. Has God ever failed you? I can't think of one instance in my life that God's ever let me down. God's never come up short. God's never disappointed me. Now, there are times where I might have expectations beyond what I should. But God has never... You think about all the mighty things that God has done. Listen, if you can't think of some, just walk outside and look around. God's created everything in this world. And, and I think about like Gideon, how, how God, Gideon began to think about all the victories. Look, some of us, you know, I told one of our men, <coughs> you know, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but he was struggling. He's been going through a lot. And I said to him one day, I said, how you doing? And he says, well, you know, and he, he wasn't, he wasn't bad mouthing. He wasn't down on God or anything like that. I could just sense he was kind of at a low place in his life. And I said, you know what will help you? And he said, what? And the answer I gave him was probably not what he was expecting. I said, you know what? I said, if you go make a hospital visit, I bet you it'll cheer you up. He kind of looked at me. He says, you might be right. Sometimes we just need, need to be reminded of how good we have it. How good God has been to us. I mean, Gideon started to think about all the victories, and he began to get God's perspective, and that kind of kept him pushing forward. The Bible says in Psalm 27, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I mean, he began to rehearse and think about all the things that God had done for him. I mean, my wife and I, we were discipling the Denos on Wednesday night, and, and after church is over with, while you guys are going home, we go back and we, we go in there and open up our discipleship material. And you can ask, you can ask Brother Mrs. Deneau, we went back there. My wife and I, somehow we got on this subject about the goodness of God and the blessings of God. And we never cracked the book on Wednesday night. We just sat there for about an hour or longer. It was way more than an hour. And we just, I mean, my wife, my wife, my wife, who hardly ever says anything, she says, look, and she just kind of got right up to the table and she says, I want to tell you something. And she just started testifying about God. You know, and I saw Liliana, she kind of backed away, like, okay, Miss Keeley, you know. I mean, my wife, she began to talk, and, and, and Lennon was so funny. He's like, wait a minute, are you telling me that you got a house and you didn't put nothing down? you telling me that you didn't have any money and God provided? And it, I, can't, I don't even know how many times he said, are you telling me? And, and I'm like, we're telling you. We're telling you about how God did this and God did that. And God, you know, and we walked out of there. We just wanted to be a blessing to them. We walked out of there, and honestly, we were thinking, man, that was good for us to just rehearse all the things that God has done for us over the years. Sometimes it, it's easy to look at the, the, the few things and dwell on the few things. But see, when, when Gideon was faint, when he was about ready, his strength was about gone, he began to think about all the things, and he said, the Bible says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I mean, Gideon, just like him, we might faint. But listen, can I tell you that our strength may fail, but God's will never fail. God will always help us 
What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I mean, the Lord is on my side, the psalmist said. I will not fear what man can do unto me. That's where Gideon got to. Being this guy that was hiding behind the wine press, say, hey, look, he says, I'm on the Lord's side. That's why Dr. Curtis Hudson, with a body full of cancer, stood up and sang, I'm on the winning side. No more in sin will I abide. I mean, he began to sing about that. And just like Gideon, he considered the past results. But notice also, he considered the present responsibilities. Look, just like Gideon, we have things in our lives today, present responsibilities. And our decision to quit because of failure, can I tell you tonight, it affects far more than just us. Everything we do is going to have consequences to those around us. When we decide to quit, guess what? Remember what happened when Jesus was crucified? And Jesus had told him, he met with his disciples, he said, I must, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. He says, I, I, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send a comforter. Remember what Peter said? I'm going fishing. Peter went down to Bass Pro, got him a new pole. And he went and found his old fishing hole. But do you remember what the Bible tells us? He didn't go by himself, did he? Some of his buddies said, hey, if you're going by Bass Pro, we're going with you. If you're going back to the fishing hole, we're going with you. See, what we do is going to have consequences. It's going to affect those around us. The Bible says in Romans 14, 7, look at the verse. None of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Everything we do is going to affect those around us. Gideon wasn't alone in his pursuits of the Midianites. He had led 300 other men, and guess what? Just as exhausted as Gideon was, guess what? The 300 were just like him. There was no gas in the tank. They were exhausted. They, their strength was ending. Gideon persevered because he had those men to consider. I mean, he began to think, listen... God has given me present responsibilities. Some of you have families. Some of you have friends. If there's one thing that ought to keep you motivated for God, is you ought to be thinking about those people. The, uh, I don't know if they're, they're here tonight or not. The Munoz family. I love the Munozes. Yeah. Back here. Brother and Mrs. Munoz. They bring their grandkids to church. They don't have to. Adonis is sitting back here in the sound room tonight. You know why they bring their grandkids? Because they want their grandkids to be around the house of God, around the things of God. They understand some responsibility. They understand how it's going to affect those. They're considering, Peter says, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister, look at this, the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, God has given us, look, you can think about the past and you can think about all the results and all the victories that God has given, but what about your present responsibilities? Are you taking care of those things that God has placed in your life? Is there a sense of responsibility 
to the people that God has placed in your life. And if you are, listen, I'm going to tell you something. It'll make you a better spouse. It'll make you a better parent. It'll help you to have a, a, a love for your friends and your co-workers. I hope this doesn't embarrass him. I don't mean to, but Brother Perez and you and your wife, you've been a blessing. Miguel went on the men's retreat. Other men have gone too. Brother Miguel and his wife, they've been coming to Sunday school. They've been here on Sunday night. Somewhere, those two made a decision. They asked for me and my house. We're going to serve God. They got their family in church. God's going to bless that. And that they're not alone. I know there are many others that have made those same decisions. But can I tell you tonight that we have been given present responsibilities. And if nothing else will motivate you to keep going on for God and being persistent, it's present responsibilities. But then notice there was a third thing that he considered, and that was the potential reward. Now, we don't do what we do so that we can get something from God. See, we don't preach a prosperity gospel here at our church, okay? We understand all blessings come from God. Every good gift, every perfect gift cometh down from above. God blesses us in His way. God chooses to bless us as He would choose. And I'm going to tell you, I told the Denos on Wednesday night, there are some things you cannot put a dollar amount on. Can't put a dollar amount on your children being saved. Can't put a dollar amount on your kids living for the Lord. Can't put a dollar amount on your old clunker staying on the road. You know, my, my wife right now, she's, we, we've been needing a new car. My wife, she calls our car, she affectionately started calling it the widow. You know, like the widow with just a little bit of oil. And how that oil just lasted and lasted and lasted, Right? I said, listen, you can call it whatever you want. Just keep praying that God will keep it on the road. When I think about Gideon's thought here, Gideon had to know. Listen, he had to know because he had seen it historically that he had to know that leading a nation to victory over an enemy that was far more superior than them, he had to know that it would probably, with the victory, it would probably mean that there would be some perks that would come along with it. Now, I don't think that's what motivated him, but look, we, we might in our lives begin to think about it. This couple that they, they talked to me and I, after, after he trusted the Lord as his savior, I talked to them, I told you, I did. I talked to them about baptism. After we finished, I said, hey, listen, let me go show you the baptistry. And we came out here and there was nobody here. I took them up in the baptistry and I showed them the baptistry and we were talking. We got done, we came down here, and he says to me, he looks at me, and he says, and I don't know anything about it. I don't know what kind of money they make. Listen, that's not of my business. I don't do what I do for money or for filthy lucre's sake. And I said to him, I, I talked a little bit about the wedding, and he says, now, pastor, he says, now, how much is all this going to cost? And I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, how much, you know, to, to be married here and married in the church and all that? And I said, I said, we're not here for that. He looked straight at her and got the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> you know, it's sad. Some of you grew up in that same system. The Catholic Church makes a fortune off of marrying and burying people. That is sad. Just as sad as people who 
merchandise the Word of God. Do you know why? Because the Bible still today is the best-selling book that was ever written. You know why? Because it's the greatest author. No Bible will, no, no book will ever match the Bible. And when Gideon thought about this, I mean, look, Gideon thought to himself, you know, listen, I understand. I mean, one of the things is Gideon could have actually been called to be the king. I mean, it was, it was not uncommon. Like David, I mean, they began to say, sing the praises of David when he killed Goliath. Look what the Bible says in Judges 8, verse 22. Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, look at what they said to him, rule thou over us, both thou and thy son and thy son's sons also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said unto them, look at the words, I will not rule over you. Neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. I told that couple today, I said, you know, that was the problem with Israel in the Old Testament. They got to the place where they wanted to be like all the other nations. What they failed to to realize was they were not supposed to be like all the other nations. They were God's people. And the only thing that God ever wanted to be to them was he wanted to be their God. And when they said... We want to be like other people. We want a king. Well, you know what God did? The same thing that the book of Romans chapter 1 says. God gave them up. God gave them exactly what they... Be careful about what you ask for. And God gave them what they asked for, and his name was Saul. I think we all know how that happened. I think we all know how that went. See, Gideon didn't persevere for what he could get out of it. Matter of fact... What Gideon did was he just pointed them to the Lord. He says, I'm not going to rule over you. My sons aren't interested in me. He said, but I'll tell you what. He says, the Lord is the one that's going to rule over you. See, he was interested in being a part of a massive work of God that actually blessed a nation. And listen, that led to 40 years of peace. 40 years. For Gideon, the old cliche, doing right has its own rewards. That's exactly what Gideon did. He he began to discern the will of God. He began to look at God's perspective on this. And we need to do the same thing. If it wasn't for the grace of God revealing himself to Gideon, Gideon would have remained the same man who for fear was hiding himself behind the wine press, just trying to survive. But when Gideon understood God's plan, and I hope, listen, if nothing else, you may not know in your life But you ought to pray and say, God, help me understand what your plan is for my life, for our family. Help me understand the purpose. And listen, when we understand God's plan and we find God's strength to persevere, listen, God will reward us for that. Although we may never be asked like Gideon was to to maybe lead a nation, there is a reward for the child of God that persists to do the will of God. And that's what we need to see. You know the verse, Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary in what? Well-doing. He says, for in due season, we shall what? Yeah, reap if we faint not. Look, I know that sometimes it's hard. God never promised us smooth sailing. But I can tell you this, that every storm that I've faced... Everything that I've gone through, God has been faithful. 
God will be there for you and your family. Just be persistent. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? As our heads are bowed, I think of the admonition that Paul wrote to those in Corinth. And I want you to listen to these words with our heads bowed. He said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What are you doing for God? Or maybe I should ask this this way. Why are you doing what you're doing for the Lord? You see, we as Gideon, with God's strength, we can persist. We need to understand that we can only do things God's way. And if we would not faint but we would continue to pursue after God's will. There's no telling what God can do in and through our lives. Lord, thank you for this evening. Bless this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you-